Okay, so we continue on our subject over here of Hakaras Tatov from uh, the Mikhtar Meliau. And uh, what we were talking about when we left off was this idea that uh, Olam Haba is not going to be a place where we are assigned a seat and then we just uh, are stuck there with the same perspective uh, for the remainder of, uh, of eternity. But it's actually going to be something which is, uh, which is quite dynamic. It's going to be quite dynamic in the sense that we are going to be shown a video of our lives and uh, the course of history. And as it plays in this endless loop, so we are going to uh, hopefully be able to notice greater insight and greater instances in which Akash Baruch Hu was playing a major part of what was going on in our lives, why things had to happen, when they happen, why they happen, the uh, the benefit that uh, that may have uh, uh, generated by things which uh, which happen, and then uh, from that, uh, you know, we will uh, we'll be able to go ahead and get closer and closer to uh, to Akadosh Baruch Hu. But as he said, and he's going, we'll see again tonight. So all of this assumes that a person has this capacity of Hakara Satov, has the ability to uh, 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 show gratitude to be able to discern and to be able to see when good things are done. Many times things happen when things are are, are not uh, done. And uh, the ability to express appreciation, because the more one appreciates uh, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did over the course of their individual life, as well as the collective life of the Jewish people, so that will deepen one's appreciation of God. And as a result of that, one is going to get Closer and closer to God. Obviously, one is not going to be able to. Uh, you know, there's a, there's no there's an infinite amount of levels that uh, that one could achieve, but one is going to be able to get closer and closer to God as time goes on. Whatever time means in the uh, in the sense of Olam Yes, Ellen. Uh, so it's still like there be a machitza. I mean, do the or do we as if we, as we say whether it's a man or a woman, then the shema should have an aliyah. Then the shema is a sort of a neuter thing. Neutral thing? Um, so, yeah, so I'm not sure. So this is one of those things where we're going to have to wait uh, wait and see uh, type of attitude. Because um, I'm not sure. There, there's a machlokis about whether Ganeden and Olam Haba are necessarily the same thing when in the process of this future era is going to be Tchias HaMesim. And then uh, where the body is going to come back. So there seems to be this certain time where there's going to be a soul which sort of exists by itself. But then there has to be, we are, uh, one of the animamins is the belief in a triasamesim, where the body and the soul are going to be restored to one, uh, to, to one another in a perfected state. And it's not clear when that exactly that's going to happen. And what makes that further complicated is if we accept this idea of Gilgulin, that a soul, right, the soul comes back in numerous bodies. So which body is it going to take on? Which body is exactly is that going to uh, to be? The body that likes fish or the body that doesn't like fish? Like that's uh, these are important questions which uh, cause us to lose sleep at night. Which one of those are going to be, amongst other things? And uh, so we, we ultimately we don't know what it, what exactly will uh, will uh, will be with that. Um, right. Okay. So that is uh, so. That's where we left off last time talking about that particular trait. And now let's pull up the, where did it go? 
Hold on. Should be here somewhere. Actually, it's not. Okay, so now, there it is. Okay, so now we pick it up. Okay, now it's on your screen? Okay, so we pick it up with this, uh, where the Mikhtam Eliyahu, where Rav Dessler goes ahead and repeats this idea, that Ulam gam etzem gilu hachesed hazeh, that this revelation of kindness, the, what the realization that we have, of how caring HaKadosh Baruch Hu was. So this is going to be an expansion of our reward. So that means that what's going to happen is that over time, so our reward is actually going to increase. So we'll get larger and larger with time. And because all of these different, uh, we'll, we'll be able to see all of these different um, um, uh, kindnesses, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu did, and when we have gratitude for that, so that is going to make it grow exponentially, and it could grow exponentially and ad infinitum or whatever that uh, that term is. That's going to continuously grow, and there's going to be no uh, d- no limit to it. He says the chohala ad shir, and it's going to continuously grow and expand without any limit to it whatsoever. But now the key for us is what he begins in this next paragraph. So what is going to be the grain or the seed from which all of this growth is going to be able to sprout? So if we if we want to use a muscle in terms of organic growth, if we are going to uh, that we are going to experience in uh, in this uh, this era to come. So what exa- where exactly is that going to grow from? In other words, mine kochos. What are the, going to be the powers or the potential, the uh, the skills which are going to move around this wheel uh, of this uh, e- e- uh, eternal growth? So what's going to fuel all of this, let's use that terminology, what's going to fuel all of this growth in Olam Haba is going to be the Torah, number one, that we study, number two, the mitzvahs which we do, and number three, the character that we develop in this world. So character development isn't just a nice thing to do, but that's actually going to be the fuel by which we are going to experience this expansive growth in Olam Haba. And now he says, if you were to ask any of us, I think we would all answer uh, correctly. But nonetheless, he uh, he frames it very nicely. He says, because you should be aware, that whatever character you have nurtured and developed and acquired uh, in the for yourself in this world, Bahem Olam Haba. So that's what you're going to take with you to Olam Haba. In other words, you can only take with you those things which you cultivated and you acquired and you developed while you were here in this world, because Kochos Khadashim Lo Losham, because you are going to have to uh, do the best that you can with what you acquired while you were in this world. 
In Olam Haba is not a term for new acquisitions. It's a, it's a time just to be able to utilize those acquisitions which you've already made or you've already developed. That the Torah that one studies in this world, while in this world, so what that what the, the Torah that you studied in this world will do for you is it's going to allow you to be able to see with a more truthful perspective. You'll be able to see deeper what exactly that Torah means. From which you'll be able to recognize and discern. And you'll be able to see all of the truth which was related to that thing which you which you studied. But you're not going to be able to appreciate Torah in Olam Haba that you did not study in this world. It's a fascinating idea that you could only, all you get to do is you get greater insight. Whatever courses you took in this world, so if you took a 101 course in this world, so in Olam Haba, you'll get to the PhD level courses on that subject. But if you never took the topic, you never studied that uh, subject in this world, so then it can't expand in Olam Haba. You're not going to get new Torah in Olam Haba. All you could get is new perspectives on what you actually already studied. And the Torah which you studied and the mitzvahs which you did in this world, which you acquired for yourself in this world, so you'll be able to tap into the spiritual nature of the, that Torah in those mitzvahs which you did in Olam Haba. So it's a time to reap rewards. It's, it's almost literally like a, 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 a retirement account. Right? Once you retire and you're no longer, you know, making uh, uh, contributions, not contributions, once you're no longer making contributions to your, to your retirement account. So it, it, it can only grow what's already there. It, 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 there's nothing new to put in there. You can't, you can't make more out of it than what's already there. It will grow and it will compound and you'll have all the benefits of that compounding interest even after your retirement. But there can't be more in the account than you've actually contributed. So Olam Haba is the same thing, that you'll be able to enjoy the benefits of what you put in there, but you're not going to be able to add anything more. So I had a, a, a Rebbe who, uh, he, was, uh, he, was, he came here when I was in Beis Madrash and when I was in Kolel uh, to take care of his, uh, his elderly mother. So he himself was already, you know, in his late 60s, uh, 70s or whatever, but came here to take care of his mother. And he had, at that point in his life, he had decided that he had spent much of his life studying Torah in very great depth. He was an eon learner, but as a result of his eon learning, the scope of Shas, which he had seen, was very limited. He hadn't seen all 2,711 Dapim of Shas. He had seen, let's say, 300 Dapim of Shas. But those 300 Dapim he knew in great depth, but he only had studied 300, let's say, they would probably be generous if it was 300, but it was only 300 Dapim of Shas. So while he was here in Skokie, so he had chavrusas in all sorts of different areas of Torah, and he would tell their chavrusas this idea from the Chavetz Chaim, which the uh, Rav Dessler is saying over here, and that is that when you get to Olam Haba, if there's an area of Torah which you didn't study in this world, you're not going to be able to go to Hashem's shear on that subject. So if you never learn Tumura, or you never learn Arachin, or you'll never learn Tamid, they're not going to let you into the Shear in those Masechtas and Olam Haba. 
you can only attend this year for those things which you've actually learned already in this world. So he had decided that he is now going to focus his attention on completing Shas, even if it's not up to the standard which he normally preferred, which is great depth, understanding every last detail and every last nuance of it. But at the very least, he wants to see everything so that after 120, he'll be able to go to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shurim on all of these Masechtas, and then he'll be able to experience the, uh, the, the fullness and the greatness of Torah at that time. But that's this idea that you can only get, you can only enjoy those things that you've cultivated and you've acquired already in this world, and no new information is going to be there. Yes, Alan? It doesn't seem fair. Why? Well, because, you know, you, you, you've, here's the opportunity of a lifetime to learn with Hashem, <laughs> and you're, you're limited by what you've already learned. You, you, it's limited in any way, for any reason, that yes, it's limited, yes. that you, as, assuming you attain, let's say, the mezzanine seats at some point, then you should have access to the whole, the whole um, Barilan thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole database. Yeah. yeah so so th- th- that's what schar is. Schar is, is you get reward for what you have already done. So you'll get mezzanine seats in certain masechtas. There'll be stadiums which are dedicated to particular masechtas. Not like the United Center and Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park where it's different things. But here it's going to be Brachos Field and it's going to be Shabbos Park and it's going to be whatever it's going to be, Soldiers Field. So whatever it's going to be, different masechtas. And each Masechta is going to have a different stadium. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be giving shear from there. But you only get a ticket to go into that Masechta in the event that you studied it. You never studied it. So what, what, uh, how, how did you earn a seat in there? Otherwise, you know, why, why study Torah? You'll, you'll get it all anyways in Olam Haba. So if you don't have to put in any effort, so then Olam Haba is, is the culmination of, of your efforts. That's really what he's, uh, what he's saying over here. So he says, because actually, this part we don't have to read. So a person who, who never enjoyed some spiritual thing in this world, whether it's a matter of Torah or whether it's a character trait, so in Olam Haba, he's going to be missing that. that, that that's going to be lacking in his, uh, in his existence. And that'll just be the ultimate, the eternal, too bad, so sad. But if you didn't cultivate that, or you didn't acquire that in this world, so it's already too late to, uh, you know, to uh, to get it. Uh, but he says, however, So besides this general idea that you only bring with you into Olam Haba the Torah which you already studied, and you only bring with you into Olam Haba the mitzvahs which you did and the character which you developed, but there's another essential component. Asher imlo olam which if you do not nurture this particular trait in this world, the potential for growth, the miracle grow, which should occur in olam haba, you'll be lacking that altogether. So everybody wants to be sprinkled with some miracle grow in Olam Haba so that their appreciation, their gratitude towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their closest with HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be constantly growing and expanding. But in order to achieve that, says Rav Dasser, you have to nurture one particular trait, uh, especially. V'hu, and that is, that is this power of gratitude, this attitude of gratitude. 
And he says, and that's the idea which we said, and that's what we explained, that the ability to grow in Olam Haba, to, to uh, get closer to Baruch Hu in Olam Haba, that whole organic process of growth and development is, is stipulated, is dependent upon that is dependent on this ability to be able to appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done. And somebody who did not properly develop this trait of, of, of appreciation in gratitude. So, so the person is going to watch the reruns of his life or her life and the life of the Jewish people, and they'll just say, it's a rerun. I've seen this already. Can't we watch something else already? How many times am I going to watch It's a Wonderful Life over the holiday season? Enough already. So it's, uh, and the person won't appreciate it, and they're not going to grow, and they actually will be stuck in their place. Vinimsa, and then it turns out, Shalom haba shalom yishar bebechinas omdim. And this is where he's borrowing this Kabbalistic idea from the, uh, the, the, the wording in the, in the Nevi'im, but he says, for this person, a person who did not properly develop Hakara Satov, what's going to be for them is Olam Haba, they're going to be Omeh. Omeh means that you're in your place and you're not moving from there. That's not what you want to be in Olam Haba. You don't want to be an Omeh in Olam Haba. You don't want to be a stander. And this person is not going to be given access to that world of Mahalchin. Mahalchin means walking or movement. So we want to be movers and shakers in Olam Haba. We don't want to be somebody who's, uh, uh, you know, statued and fixed in their place with the, with the inability to go ahead and move and make any progress getting themselves closer to God. And therefore, and this essential component of, the inter- of eternal life, which is the ability to get closer to God, people who don't have a well-developed and well-nurtured sense of gratitude, they're not going to be able to experience it to its fullest. They may have lots of Torah study. They may have done lots of mitzvahs over the course of their lifetime, and they may have been great people. But if they didn't develop that sense of gratitude, they're just going to be stuck in whatever seat they're initially assigned, and they're not moving from that place. That's what it means to be an omade, that you're just stuck in that place. And what we're striving for is to be mahalchim, to be people who are, uh, you know, uh, movers and shakers, for whom our olam haba is going to be something which is dynamic. And that is what we're trying to make sure that that's why the uh, of all of the midos, of all of the character traits that a person would focus his attention on or try and develop. So akaras hatov is the one which is the the most important. Because that really is going to be the key to having a dynamic and uh, and uh, 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 growing olam haba. And now he says, in this regard, he says, "Kalim regishim od hemidos Now going back to what he said at the beginning, that the midos, the character of a person, is an incredibly sensitive keli. It's an incredibly sensitive tool, in terms of that it can be easily damaged. These are things which, you know, one incident could just, you know, cause a crack or a break in a way where it's going to be permanent. It's going to leave a mark. And specifically in the area of chesed, it's very delicate. 
Gambasibakoshi, uh, and they can be damaged even with the slightest you know, uh, incident, whatever it is, this is something which which could happen. And he says, and he explains, we're not going to read all of this over here, but he says that Chazal give as an example of this, somebody who um, damaged, in a sense, their character, or they didn't uh, pay sufficient attention to their character, none other than Rabbi Yudanasi. Rabbi obviously, is the name that everybody is uh, is familiar with. And he is a person who not only was a great tzaddik and a great Tamil Chachem in his own right, but he is responsible for Torah Shabbat Peh. Our access to Torah Shabbat Peh, so that is attributed to Rabbi Nasi, because he was the one who took it upon himself to compile and edit the Mishnayas. So this was a... a as far as the, the uh, Jewish history is concerned, this is one of the greatest innovations which has taken place over the course of Jewish history to go ahead and take something which was uh, usher to write down Torah Shabbat Peh and actually write it down. Torah Shabbat Peh is called, is called Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral law, because it was intended by God to remain something which is passed on parent-child, 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 or Rebbe Talmud, Rebbe Talmud, Rebbe Talmud, it was supposed to be something which is discussed orally, and it was not intended for it to be written down. Comes along Rebbe Ranasi and says, you know what? Klai Yisrael is not going to be able to continue their connection to Torah if we don't write this down, and therefore we are suspending this Isser. It's a time that we have to do for Hashem. And in order to accomplish this, we are going to violate the Torah. And it's incredibly bold for a person to do that. And Rabbi Yudanasi was the one who went ahead and did that. So Rabbi Yudanasi isn't even just Stam Atana. He is the Tana of Tanaim because he's the one who created the Mishnais. So certainly he has somebody who has an incredible amount of merit to himself. And he is somebody who was incredible Balchesed. So Chazal tell us, if you remember from Dafyomi at the end of uh, Masechus Ksubis, that Yudam Nasi was fabulously wealthy. He was uh, on par with uh, King Antoninus in terms of having a lavish table with all of the delicacies which are available, even if it wasn't in season where they were living there, they were able to import it from other places. It's not like nowadays that you have refrigerator trucks. It was a challenge to bring those things in. But Yudam Nasi lived uh, a... a, a, a uh, an incredible, uh, um, with incredible wealth over the course of his lifetime, but he gave it away. He was incredibly generous and gave it to others to enjoy. And the Gemara tells us an amazing statement for somebody who's that wealthy. Halavai, that there are other wealthy people who could uh, make the same statement, but the Gemara says, this was highlighted over here, this is in Ksuvis Kuv Dalat in case you want to look it up. Bishas Piti Russell Show Rebbe that when Rebbe was about to die, there's a whole uh, um, um, record of Rebbe Yudanasi's conversation with Talmidim and his sons and whatnot as he was dying. So it says, at the time that he was dying, Zakaf Eser Etzbaosov Klapei Mala. So he lifted up all 10 of his fingers. So he held his hands up with all of his fingers pointing upwards. And Amar, and he made the following declaration, which I don't know anybody who could do this, even somebody who has nothing probably cannot make such a declaration, yet alone somebody who had literally everything. He says, of the world, it is revealed and known before you, that with these fingers, 
I toiled in Torah. I used all of my strength and all of my resources for Torah study. And I did not indulge. That's how we're going to translate Hano over here. I did not indulge physically, even my pinky. Even my pinky's worth of benefit from this physical world, I did not uh, pursue. I spent all of my time and all of my energy uh, pursuing Torah. So we're talking about a person who, just to make such a statement like that, is incredible to be able to make. And this is Rabbi Yudan Nasi. So we're talking about somebody who is an incredible, incredible individual, incredible Tana with unbelievable merit. Okay, now with that background, now we go to the story, which is going to highlight this idea about how delicate um, uh, our, our character happens to be and how a small little incident is something which could do tremendous damage. So the Gemara Bab Metziah, this is Peheya Medbeis relates, who Egla the Mantule So there was a calf, a young calf, which was being taken to slaughter. Okay, happens sometimes, calves sometimes get slaughtered. And it was, as it was walking to the Shoichet, so it went ahead and it snuggled its head under Rebbe's coat. So Rebbe happens to be nearby, and this calf comes and starts rubbing its head on, on Rebbe's uh, legs. The Kabachi. And the calf apparently was aware of what was about to happen, and the calf was crying. Okay? Amarle, so what does Rebbe say to this crying calf? Zeal. Rebbe says, you should go. Because this is the reason that you were created. You were there in order to, uh, to, uh, to, be, to be slaughtered, as we're going to see, to be slaughtered, eaten by a tzaddik, and that's how it's going, you're, you're going to be elevated. So Amri, so after Rebbe made that statement, so Shamayim, meaning the heavens, went ahead and declared, so Ho'il Volokam Arachim, Lesu Allah Yisurim. Being that you, Rebbe, were not compassionate to this calf, you are going to physically suffer during your lifetime. And if you remember, the Gemara Ksuvis talked about how at the end of Rebbe's lifetime, he had terrible stomach issues, and he was suffering so badly that his maidservant actually davened that she, she not only davened that Rebbe should die to be alleviated of his suffering, but she actually created a circumstance, a diversion, so that all the people in the base Medrash who were davening to keep Rebbe alive, they stopped davening for a moment because there was a huge crash outside. And as a result of that, they all turned their head to look at what was going on. And then when at the moment that they stopped davening, that's when uh, HaKadosh Baruch was able to take Rebbe's neshama. But before he died, he experienced great suffering. So now, what, what did Rebbe do at the end of the day? All Rebbe did was he said to the calf, listen, I understand your pain, but this is why you're created, and uh, just uh, just go and uh, just uh, just get it over with. And that lack of compassion that Rebbe demonstrated to this calf, so Rebbe was held accountable for that, and as a result of that, he had to experience very painful suffering, terrible suffering. So here, what was going on? So here, Rev Dessler explains. He says, listen, we're not dealing with just Stam, a person who's a shochet, who death doesn't bother them at all. He's used to blood and guts all over the place, and he's numb to it. Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Hisig Burach HaKodesh. That Rabbi Yudanasi understood with Ruach HaKodesh, She'egel yagiel tachlisa ayyideh she'yeachel 
that this calf is going to reach its, its purpose and its function in this world by being eaten by being consumed by a Tamil Chachem who is a Yari Shamayim. That's why Akash Baruch created that calf. So every calf, every animal has a purpose why it was brought into this world. And Rabbi Yudah Hanasi understood this particular calf, which is trying to snuggle up next to Rabbi Yudah Hanasi's leg. So Rabbi Yudah Hanasi understood that this calf has a very uh, spiritual purpose, and that is to be food for a Tamil Chacham Yari Shamayim. So he knows exactly what its function is. Because once the Tamar Chacham goes out and eats the meat from this calf, that's going to give the Tamar Chacham energy to be able to serve Hashem. So this calf is doing is the fuel for more Torah study, more Avodah Hashem in this world. And that's how the calf's soul, whatever that, that's going to mean, but that's how the calf is going to achieve its potential, and that's how it's going to be elevated. In other words, Reb Yudan Nasi was using his brain to say, listen, this is, this is the will of God. This is why you were created, young calf. You weren't created to just graze around eating grass all day, hanging out with your friends. You were created ultimately to be a Shabbos meal or a Yontif meal for a Tamil Chacham Yari Shamaim. This is why you were created. And go fulfill your purpose. Go fulfill your potential. Lefikach, and therefore Rebbe said, using his IQ, if you remember from when we, uh, from the last time, we talked about using your IQ versus your EQ, your, uh, your emotional quotient. So Rebbe using his IQ said, listen, this is why you're created. With this, you will fulfill your purpose. So just go, go and get to, go and do the job that you need to do. And we say, and according to his IQ, there was nothing cruel that Rebbe said with this declaration. Because according to IQ, this is why you, calf, were created. And therefore, go fulfill your purpose on this, on this earth. Your purpose on earth is to be slaughtered and beaten by a Tamil Chacham. Go for it, because I'm telling you intellectually, this is why you are here. So IQ-wise, Rebbe was 100% right. And we wouldn't even consider that to be uh, to be cruel. Ubechozos, but nonetheless, regesh hachesed nifgam b'mashu ayidezeh. His EQ, his sensitivity to chesed, was damaged by not showing sufficient uh, uh, empathy for this calf. And that's why Rebbe ended up having to experience his own suffering because of this, because kilodavar kalhu because it's not an easy task, even for a calf, to give up its life al Hashem. It takes a lot of emotional energy to be able to go ahead and do that. And Rebbe was showing an insensitivity, on his level, obviously, but he's showing an insensitivity to that by just saying to the calf, just go and get slaughtered already. Don't worry about it. This is your purpose. Trust me. IQ says this is where, where you should go. Yes. Um, so so the, the thing was not that he shouldn't have encouraged the calf to go get slaughtered. He shouldn't have stopped them and said, no, you can become my pet calf. He should have in some way uh, made the concept of going to be slaughtered 
be more empathetic about it, but but make it make it a better event, make it uh, more positive for the calf. Correct. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. By not by not addressing the calf emotionally, by addressing the calf only intellectually, so that was the quote unquote cruelty which he showed. Which he, which he demonstrated. That's how sensitive the, the trait of chesed was and how easily it's damaged. And it's damaged by his IQ. His IQ damaged his EQ. That's what that's, that's sort of, that's what he's explaining. Gam Even when the brain is able to conceptualize how important and how great it is for a person to give up their life al Hashem, but there's nonetheless an emotional element to it and you, one cannot be so cruel there to uh, to ignore that and to, uh, to 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 just disregard that, because emotionally people don't want to die. Very very slowly, the brain is wired to survive, not to die, and it takes a lot for a person to overcome that tendency to do anything that they can to stay alive. Even though intellectually dying al kiddush Hashem is a tremendous mitzvah. But nonetheless, it's something which is a very difficult thing to do. And Rebbe should have been more empathic. Chazal say, or Shemayim said, that Rebbe should have been more empathic to this calf uh, at the time, even though it was doing its, its purpose and its function in this world, which is to give up its life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, by becoming food for Etamachachim. So what do we see? We see similarly, Harimatsinu Rebbe Kiva. So we know a similar idea by Rebbe Kiva. The Chazal tell us that he was a great, great davener. He was somebody who, when he was davening by himself, Chazal don't tell us why he was davening by himself, what was going on in shul. Maybe there was COVID back then too. But when he would daven by himself, so he would go ahead and you would leave, you would walk out of the room when he, when he started Shemon and he was in the northwest corner. And then when you came back five minutes later and he's still in Shemon he was already in the southeast corner. Now, how in the middle of Shmon Esri do you get from the northwest corner to the southeast corner? So Chazal say it was a result of all of the bowing which he did. So he was shake, rattling, and rolling his way through Shmon Esri, And as a result of that, it scooched him over from one corner of the room to, uh, to the other. He say, Because of the bowing and the prostrating which he did, so he ended up just in a completely different room. Now, but nonetheless... So he worked on himself uh, in order to prepare himself to die Al-Kiddush Hashem. And we know that that's ultimately what he did. And that's why Chazal tell us that when Rebbe was, uh, when Rebbe Kiva was being taken out to be uh, executed, so his students said, Rabbeinu Adkan, they said, listen, you're saying Kriyashma even now? Even now at this moment that they're taking your life, you're saying Kriyashma? And he says, of course, Amr Lem, he says, my entire life, I was troubled. Troubled isn't like in a bad thing, meaning that I was working on myself. I was exerting effort. I was preparing myself. When will I have the opportunity to be able to give even my life to Hashem? Al-Kiddush Hashem, dying Al-Kiddush Hashem. And now that the opportunity presents itself, you're trying to tell me that I should disregard that and I shouldn't say Kriyashma. This is the best time to say Kriyashma because this is the moment where I'm actually going to be able to show that they have even with my life, I'm going to go ahead and demonstrate how much I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, what does that mean when he says, that my whole life I was troubled, I was working on this? 
Perusho, so if Desha explains it to me like we translated, that he spent his whole life preparing himself, psyching himself up, getting himself mentally prepared, emotionally prepared to, in the event that Akash Baruch Hu would, would dictate, that he'd be able to go ahead and give up his life for the sake of Hashem. Because it's not an easy thing to do. The same Rebbe Kiva, who was such a great davener and was so dedicated to Hashem that he starts Shmon in the northwest and he ends up at the end of Shmon in the southeast because his, his bowing and his connection to God was so profound. And yet it took his entire lifetime to get himself ready to actually die al Kiddush Hashem. So we see, so from the, from the perspective of Chesed, not IQ, but EQ, where you're actually, where the giving up of your life is going to take place, not in the IQ part of your brain, that goes offline, but it's going to take place in the EQ part of your brain. So lo kalu litzavos amasiris nefesh. It's not easy to go ahead and to give up your life, even though you know it's a, it's, it's a huge mitzvah, but it's not an easy thing to actually do. Velanos lekachno tzarta. And to say to something like a calf or to someone who's about to die, this is why you're created, and therefore you should go with uh, with joy and happiness and excitement at the at what's about to take place. And therefore, since it's something which is such a challenge to do, it's something which is so uh, so so difficult. So lechein for that reason, because Rebbe nifgam b'mashu So that's why when when Rabbi commented to the calf that was crying on it. And he said, go, that's why you were created. So that shows a disregard for the emotional experience that the calf was, was, was going through. And that damaged Rebbe's character in some way, some slight little flaw. We know like on a diamond. So a diamond, you know, to the naked eye, you may not be able to see a flaw in there, but if there's a slight flaw that only a diamond person would be able to detect, it already downgrades the value of the diamond significantly. It goes from flawless to having a flaw, and now suddenly it's going to lose uh, in, an incredible amount of value as a result of that. So on Rabbi Yudah Hanasi's level, whatever that means, so his character was damaged by not demonstrating sufficient sensitivity, even to a calf, not even to a person, but even to a calf was enough to go ahead and damage his character. And therefore, now this slight flaw, which now became exposed in Rebbe when he wasn't sufficiently empathic to this calf. So what was he, what did he do? What was the consequence for that? It wasn't, you know, give uh, $18 to tzedakah or something like that, then maybe fast on a Monday or Thursday. He accepted upon himself unbelievable suffering that he endured for 13 years. So three words of uh, lacking empathy to a calf, and the consequence for that on Rabbi Yudah Nasi's level was 13 years of suffering he had to endure in order to fix that flaw. That's how much effort it takes to fix a flaw when you're at that level where everything else is perfect, and you got to get rid of that. The one flaw, it's not something which is so easy to do. But bottom line for us is, hooray, what we need to take with us, what we need to think about moving forward is our character, 
the way we interact with others. So that the character development is something which is incredibly, incredibly precious, incredibly delicate, and incredibly valuable. And therefore, and therefore it's necessary, just like if you had a diamond uh, necklace or something like that, you had some something which is very valuable. So you don't leave that out in the open on the, uh, you know, on the kitchen table when everybody's running around getting ready for Shabbos. You put that in some safe location, in a box, in a box, in a box, in a safe, you know, somewhere to make sure that, uh, you, know, you know, 16 layers of bubble wrap to make sure that it shouldn't get damaged along the way. So all of that is necessary in order to maintain the integrity and the quality of your character. Because ultimately, that is who you are. You are your character, and therefore you have to be especially uh, attentive and mindful of its quality. You don't want any flaw or any damage to take place whatsoever. Because that would be tragic because you go from a flawless diamond to a diamond with a flaw and you've just lost almost instantly thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Aleinu shuma suma letaknan ulamikan. And therefore it's incumbent upon us to evaluate, to uh, identify what those flaws are, where those flaws uh, reside that are already there and to make efforts to repair them and to see what we can do to, to make it better, not just leave them that they are and just resign the fact that this is going to be, a, this, this flaw is going to be there. But our job is to go ahead and identify it, pinpoint it, zero in on it, and do the work to go ahead and repair it. Because this is, again, when we talk about what we're going to bring with us into Olam Haba, we're not bringing our house or our car or our profession or our money or any of those things. What we bring to Olam Haba with us are the Torah, which we learned, the mitzvahs, which we did, and the character, which we developed. And character is going to be one of the key things. Ubahen, because the nature and the quality of our character, Ubahen, Tuluya, Kol Aliyah, Seinu, Olam Hazeh. The ability for our Olam, uh, uh, our growth, uh, in this world. So that's what everything is going to revolve around. Everything is going to revolve around our EQ more than more so than our IQ. So our growth in this world is going to be very much rooted in our character development. And then he says in Gamha Kalim, these are also going to be the tools, the Kabbalah Saskar Lolam Haba, in order to have this dynamic reward in the world to come, so that we should not be the Omdim. We should not be people who are statuesque and just standing in place with the inability to be able to move and make progress and grow and expand in Olam Haba, but we want to be the type of people who are mahalchen, people who are movers and shakers, and who are going to be able to experience every time we see more and more about our lives and about the lives of the Jewish people collectively, we'll gain more and more insight as to the chasadim which HaKadosh Baruch Hu demonstrated, allowing us to get closer and closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's ultimately what we're striving for, and that's why uh, character development in general is an essential part of our Avodah Hashem, it's an essential part of being a Mavakesh, and specifically the trait of Akar Satov, of all of the uh, the parts of our character which need attention and development and nurturing, Akar Satov is the most important one, because that's the one which gives us the miracle grow to allow our Olam Haba to be ever, ever expanding 
and allow us to get closer and closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that every day, whatever days are in Olam Haba, are going to give us a new perspective and a new closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is uh, Rev Dessler's piece on uh, on, uh, on Hakara Satov. Uh, Thank you, Rabbi. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Rabbi.